How do you do? It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life and death. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Uh, well, we warned you. everybody welcome to episode 230 230 of the Arctic of america podcast i am your host in the place to be on an october evening but sitting right across from me is the brown recluse mr archer art say hello to the millions and millions what is going on what's cracking kakawates <laughs> that's that a while. pretty clever um what's <laughs> cracking What's cracking, Kakawates? Um, my name is Art. You're listening to the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. We are brought to you by Caveman Coffee. Guys, go to cavemancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory of their coffee beans. They got the hibiscus tea. They got the cacao butter. They got the sweatpants. They got hats, shirts, beanies. They got everything your heart desires. Christmas is coming up. So start your holiday shopping early to make sure that you get all that shit you need. Um... Use promo code America at checkout to receive 15% off. Once you receive those products, tag us, tag them, take a picture of yourself wearing them, drinking the coffee, drinking the hibiscus tea. Um, again, tag us, tag them. It shows that you appreciate it. It shows that you care. Um, more than anything, honestly, like financially, it helps very little. <laughs> but, um, but I think the promotion part of it is the part that I think we both appreciate more than anything. So Correct. we appreciate that. Um, and K-Man Coffee appreciates that. So, with that said, Jacob. Yeah, so speaking of sponsors, guys, make sure you check out our other sponsor. That's right, we're badass, and we got two sponsors up on that ass. Uh, check out our other sponsor, SKR Apparel, or Sucre Apparel. Guys, go to SucreApparel.com, where the great and powerful Nicole Smith-Bosch has a whole array of apparel that she sells on there that she designs on her own. That's amazing. And then just not like she just throws like four shirts on there and just like leaves it at that. No, she's constantly adding new designs, new merchandise on there. So so she's very much an active creator. So go there, support strong, independent women, badass women, creative women, and um, enter promo code Art and Jacob, and she'll give you 10% off your entire purchase. So with that said, Art, let's go ahead and jump into today's topic. Let's do it. So I pitched this idea to you guys. First and foremost, welcome to the month of October. Art and I were discussing on the Patreon. The Halloween season might be our favorite season of them all. Yes, Christmas is still up there. I love Christmas and whatnot. But there's something magical about fucking the Halloween season. And for the four years now that we've been doing this podcast, every October, it is the tradition that we do 
I don't want to say spooktacular because everybody uses that fucking say bullshit. Rocktober. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Rocktober. Rocktober. Cocktober. Yeah. Cocktober, baby. Rock out with your cock out. Um, but no, we always do like, you know, spooky, you know, scary, uh, you <laughs> know, just Halloween-y type of fucking episodes this month. And today is no exception. And when I was, you know, racking my brain of like things to like talk about this year, because like we've kind of talked about it all. Like even when it's like in the middle of July, we still talk about fucking scary things like brujeria and things like that or scary things, I should say. Uh, so I was racking my brain. I was like, what actually scares me? And it's not like fucking the movie The Exorcist or anything like that. It's usually shit that's like real. And I think like last year we were talking about like our favorite scary movies or, you know, scary movies that were based on like real events. And I said this where it's just like real, real things scare me. Like, you know, getting kidnapped or organ harvest like in a foreign country like Mexico or whatever. I believe there was like a, a horror movie based off of that. So I was racking my brain like, hey, what is some real shit? And I just Googled it offhand, like, you know, real Frankenstein experiments, and it freaked me the fuck out. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, guys. Real life Frankenstein experiments. So I know you I know you wanted to talk about um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and all that. Mm-hmm. But before we get to the Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the reason why I, I wanted to start with this other part was because um, this looks like the uh, the thing that inspired Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, and I thought this was really interesting because I I thought it was super weird. I had never heard about this. That stupid uh, Mexican Buzz Lightyear thing just showed up <laughs> on my phone. Um, <laughs> Listen to Patreon to get that joke. Um, but um, I had talked to you about uh, the homunculus, mm-hmm. and, and according to the homunculus, it's it's um, it's it's kind of like this old medieval like scientific like magic thing that people would try to do where they would try to create, give life to like random, like just different things basically like mm-hmm. Google it. It's disgusting. Don't like the pictures are disgusting, but um, apparently like that it, it homunculus eventually, uh, what it actually means is means small human. Okay. And they would try to bring to, to life these like small humans of like leftover meats and different things like wow. that. Like it's really disgusting stuff. The part to me that is like the and apparently like Mary Shelley was aware of all these things and that yeah. was one of the ideas that like brings up the the, the Frankenstein idea, um, but the thing to me that is like disgusting more so than anything, and the part that I was telling Jacob before we recorded the podcast is that it like to the point where it makes me like want to vomit is that people still practice the idea of like trying to bring to life these like creatures. Um, and like, if you actually go to YouTube, which I don't recommend you guys watching is like people trying to, um, fertilize like eggs with like human sperm. Oh my God. And like the, the disgusting things that they come up with, it is like one of the most like disgusting things. And like, I, I, I part of me wanted to like investigate more cause mm-hmm. there's all these like things that are like, well, that's probably like not a hundred percent like like possible but like it still like could happen where like it, it's it's disgusting it like according to these people like they did create these like little like creatures it's like oh, fucking fuck. disgusting it's like one of the most disgusting things i remember I'd when ever we did seen. human cloning and we were talking about how they were able to like successfully like create test two baby basically like a yeah. bovine and a human i was like what the fuck like Oh, dude, if, that is yeah. Like the, so there's, there's all yeah. That was disgusting. I think we had Keith on for that episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it that to me was like one of the most disgusting things like I'd ever seen. There's YouTubes of like what they claim to be like these like kind of like they don't even look like actual like living creatures, but they're like moving. They claim that some of them have survived like longer than others, and mm-hmm. like it's fucking disgusting that that the fact that that's even like a thing. Um, Google at your own risk, but you know, this whole homunculus thing, that was a thing that, you know, brought the idea of, of Frankenstein to, mm-hmm. to Mary Shelley. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to get into what Mary so, Shelley. Yeah. Let's get into Mary Shelley. Who's the, obviously the author of, you know, the, the, uh, the, the character of Frankenstein, which miss gets misplaced uh, onto the actual monster that the Frankenstein is actually the doctor that, you know, brings the monster to life. Uh, but Mary Shelley, she writes this novel 
at age 18. You know, they were having, um, I guess it was like uh, the, 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 the summer without a sun. So it was like just raining nonstop the whole summer or whatever. So they were in lockdown, basically. Their constitutional rights were being taken away, uh, yeah. everybody in England, because the, the rain was keeping them in. The lizard people were keeping them, you know, locked up. So her and her spouse and their spouse's friends, they were locked up in their castle. Or, she was know, already married at 18? Yeah, dude, she was married for a couple of years at this point. She had already lost a couple of babies at this point. So she, she had lost her mom early. She lost, you know, a couple of children at this point. She's going to lose her, her spouse that, you know, helped inspire this story, you know, a couple of years later. So she's like surrounded by death or whatever, right? And the thing was, you know, they had this contest to see, like, who could create, you know, the best horror story. Now, Mary Shelley, her mom and her dad, they were novelists. So, you know, they were, you know, they, they had written books and had a very successful career doing that. Her spouse was also a big to-do, like, in the, you know, the publication, uh, you know, community. Also in the science community because they would always have... You know, a lot of scientists and, you know, people in, you know, the uh, anthropology community. So, like, she 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 was very familiar, like, what was going on in, you know, modern science during, like, the 1800s. Because she writes it, I believe, in 1818, you know, this novel. So, during this time period, she's got all this information. She's a well-informed individual about where the science is, about what we're going to be talking about up to that point. And up to that point modern medicine you know they were still figuring out ways to bring people back from drowning you know drowning was still a big thing like when people drowned they didn't have cpr they didn't have like these you know resuscitation you know techniques that we have today or whatever that's like at the back of any restaurant menu or anything like when you go you know out and about here um so they were figuring out ways that to bring people back from quote unquote the dead when people would drown or accidentally swallow water or choke like on a fucking, you know, a, a piece of liver that they ate or whatever, a chicken bone or what have you. And so they, they were developing like all these techniques or whatever. And they literally thought that they were resurrecting people from the dead. And so it inspired a bunch of scientists, you know, to create like concoctions and potions and whatnot. And, you know, uh, exercises, if you will, you know, to bring people back to life. And during this time period, like, that was, like, a big thing. Like, oh, can we create a human, you know, from the dead? A modern zombie, if you will. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I came across when, when I was looking into this was um, the um, the Jamaican zombies, right? We, which I think we talked about briefly. I don't know if we have or not. In the voodoo episode? Did we talk about voodoo? We didn't really talk about, like, zombies that much, though. Mm. But apparently that that's like one of the the big things, you know, people that claim to be in plantations, like zombie plantations, and that kind of kept popping up. This like bringing things back to life or bringing things to life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a creepy concept. Like it, it is a it is like the the human like playing God type of thing where we want to <laughs> we want to play God and we want to like try to keep things alive or create life out of you know Nothing. chicken and. Sp- <laughs> <laughs> What is it, the homoculus or whatever? Homoculus. It's so gross, dude. I that there, you, just when you think you hit like the darkest parts of the internet, like all of a sudden you run into homoculuses. It says, "Hold my beer." <laughs> <laughs> Hold my beer. Here's a homoculus. Alejandro's googling it right now. Ugh. Please do not be eating fucking chicken while you're no watching. KFC during this episode. I will not be eating chicken for the next like three months. Next, next uh, chicken I'll be eating, or next bird I'll be eating will be on Thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, one scientist that um, perhaps inspired uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is actually a Johann Dippel, who was born in Castle Frankenstein. So he was actually born in a castle named Frankenstein, which is just, I believe, German for... Frank. Uh, yeah, Frank. <laughs> uh, Stone of the Franks, basically. So basically Frank's house, right, mm-hmm. in German and whatnot. Uh, but he's famous because he would do a lot of experiments with cadavers. Uh, and one of his big experiments was is soul transferring. So like one of his big things is like, hey, I want to transfer the soul of this cadaver into this cadaver. It's just to, you know, do that. Just, you know, do a soul uh, transferring. Uh, but he also did a lot of experiments with dead am- animals, and he created elixirs. Um, that would actually, you know, bring things back to life. Uh, he actually said he had an elixir as well that would exercise demons out of possessed people and, you know, sentient things, if not. So, um, but he was actually chased out of town for these experiments with pitchforks and, you know, uh, you know, torches and whatnot, which is very much like 
when you think of the ending of Frankenstein, you know, the monster being chased out of the village mm-hmm. or whatever. So there's a lot of like real life meets, you know, fantasy in Mr. Johan Dippel's story here. That's some, that's it's some crazy shit, man. All, all I can think of is, um, have you, have you seen the original Frankenstein movie? I, you know what? I got really obsessed with it. Like once, like we started, we, we landed on that. We we're going to do this topic and it's a, the whole concept of like her novel and even the movie too it's such a beautiful piece of art. Really? I've actually never seen it. They're showing it in theaters um, this month, um, but I've never seen it, and I I, I can't believe that's the movie I've just never seen. Yeah, apparently, like, it's super deep. Like, it, not to, you know, make it all about the, the movie and the novel or whatever, but it talks, of like, a lot about, like, a lot of social issues or whatever, a lot of, like, I guess the monster is supposed to, like, represent, you know, like, black people yeah basically whatever right like the we're only afraid of things that we don't know or things that don't look like us basically yeah. but isn't yeah. it crazy that back in the day they were like how can i make these people understand that black people have feelings <laughs> i'll just make a story about a monster yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> uh but going back to monsters <laughs> whatever in real life fucking frankenstein experiments uh one of the first godfathers of like this whole thing is a man named luigi galvani who pretty much invents the thing called galvanism. So in eight, 1780, he's doing you know a dissection on a frog, and um, he gets the scalpel, and I guess the scalpel has like some static electricity to it. Uh-huh. And when when he goes to like I guess dissect like you know further his leg or whatever, the static electricity like goes into like the muscle or like the nerve of the frog, and like the leg actually like starts moving. Like mind you, it's like the ha- the bottom half of the frog, right? It's been dead for quite a while, and it's just, like, basically, like, a piece of, like, slime and meat. And, like, his scalpel touches, like, I guess, we're going to say a nerve, and his legs just start fucking, like, hopping, basically. Like, it's, like, on a lily pad or some shit. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That's one of those things that, like, if you think about, you know, what the human consciousness is, and, like, uh, we're basically controlled by, like, electricity running through our body and through Mm -hmm. our brain, and that's kind of interesting of, like, you know, when does a person become dead and when is a person like alive like mm-hmm. when is like is somebody in a coma like do you and i don't mean like what is what does the u.s government qualify as like a living or dead person but what is like where does life start and where does death begin yeah and that's a really interesting concept like the idea of that like of the idea of 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 death i guess in, in the in, point of no return i guess you could yeah. say yeah yeah, pretty crazy. Because as we'll see later on, there's we're gonna find like things that are pronounced clinically dead being brought back to life, and it's huh. the fucking scariest, craziest thing I can think of. Uh, so it leads like the scientific community down this whole road that they think that like, oh, the secret to life is animal electricity or bioelectricity, which is very much like a real science. Like Art was talking about, like yes, there are there is electricity within us, within our brains, within our nervous system, whatever that makes us click. But uh, Luigi Galvani actually thought that like, hey, if you were to cut like your fingertips off, I believe like one YouTube. A video I was watching like he's like so he believed like if you cut your fingertips off like you could like shoot like electricity like fucking um, huh. <laughs> like what's his name in the X-Men or whatever right uh, but him and um, another uh, man Alessandro Voltra, uh, Volta um, you know kind of went at it like what they believed like you know this was all what this really was or whatever and they kind of like advanced the notion of galvanism what you were talking about you know like the electricity within your body or whatever um, but a lot of, uh, I guess, conservatives of the time thought that, you know, this was blasphemous and it went against, you know, God's creation theory or whatever. And he kind of got ran out of, you know, town basically again because uh, he was being a mad, you know, scientist, you know, doing all these abominable experiments. So his uh, nephew, Giovanni Aldini, he takes up the mantle um, of galvanism and he starts experimenting on bigger animals. So, like, you'll see pictures of him when you Google, you know, his name. Uh, doing experience on like big ox heads and you know cow heads and whatnot and he's able to like create like this battery and like this system like where he'll probe it and the cow head will like almost animate like it's like this decapitated cow head has been you know gone for a while it's been sitting on the shelf of fucking Bayarta for a couple weeks now but he's able to like fucking reanimate it you know the mouth will open the tongue will go and like the eyes will shut and open and whatnot and like he's like, dude, I'm on the precipice of you know bringing life back. So 
kind of a fucked up situation. Um, he makes, you know, friends with um, a, a man named Mr. Pass. I guess his uh, his official title is a beetle. And, and I'm not talking about, like, you know, the bug or whatever. But I guess it's, like, something to do uh, in, in England at this time. Or I believe this is in Italy where, you know, like, when they have a trial, like, a beetle kind of controls, like, the whole trial setting or whatever sets uh-huh. things in motion. Uh, but there was a man on trial, uh, Mr. George Foster, uh, who was on who's on trial basically for the murder of his wife and child. And it was like the evidence against him was very suspect to say the least. A lot of people think like, Hey, they forced uh, a confession out of him and that it was actually evidence. It was actually the mother, the, you know, the, the child's grandmother that actually like killed the wife and the child or whatever, but they wanted this, their guy. And uh, Mr. Pass was actually on Giovanni Aldini's payroll. And the theory is, is that, you know, Giovanni, he paid him off to rush the trial to trying to get like, you know, a quick decision out of it. And I was looking like at the official Wikipedia of the whole trial or whatever. And it was very, very much a very short trial. You know, they got the guy that they wanted, even though it probably wasn't him. Uh, but they arranged the security of the body to go to Giovanni Aldini. Now, at this time in Europe, whenever a murderer would be you know executed immediately, they would dissect the body because, you know, they didn't want, you know, Jesus to come back and, yeah, you know, yeah. the murderer would, you know, come back from the dead and start slaughtering people. And, you know, Jesus was supposed to, you know, you know, take everybody back to heaven and whatnot. So they would, you know, dissect the body. But Giovanni Aldini was like, nope, let me do this experiment on him, experiment on him. And let me see if I can bring this man back to death, uh, back to life. And if he was truly innocent, God will will that he will come back to life, if you will. So they set up this big old thing, like, you know, they were going to go down to the university and whatnot, and it was going to be this public experiment like where you can come in and watch him bring back to life this guy that was just freshly ex- executed. And I guess they hanged him or whatever, right? So everybody, they get the body, they put him on the slab and whatnot, and all these people start filing in, and Aldini, he gets his two probes that, you know, he was able to, you know, ant- reanimate, you know, the bull's head with, and he sticks it into various parts of uh, Mr. George Foster's body. And at one point, he sticks it, I guess, like in his neck and whatnot. And the eyes start opening up. And the mouth starts, like, almost like it's talking. But, like, no words are coming out. And then people, like, slowly start, like, you know, just, like, rushing out of the door. And they're like, holy shit, like, this guy is, like, coming back to life. He takes the probes out. He sticks it, like, in his chest. And I guess, like, the arm comes up. And like clenches in like in a fist, like he's like punching up to upwards towards God or whatever, right? Takes the probes out, sticks them in his legs, and his legs like almost like he's like Liu Kang, like in Mortal Kombat, starts like bicycle kicking like in the air. And um, Mr. Pass, who is like wit- witnessing all of this, he suffers a heart attack, and he's like, "Oh my God!" His like last words are like, "I just resurrected somebody. I helped resurrect somebody from the dead." And he believed, like, everybody believed, like, when you were going to resurrect somebody from the dead, you were going to bring, like, demons and the devil with him because they believed, like, all murderers immediately were going to go to hell. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> um, you know, I was as you were saying that, I, I, I didn't really think that much about the, the religious elements of it, but, like, I guess, like, I mean, Jesus was resurrected, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, technically, like, and he raised Lazarus from the dead as well. Yeah, that's that's nuts. Like, I mean, so there's, 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 it's possible. I mean, if it's in the Bible, it's true. <laughs> it's got to be true, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like the whole thing about like you know bringing back a murderer, uh-huh. like that's what they were scared of. It was like holy yeah. shit. Like, okay, when Jesus resurrected, like, oh all of mankind's sin was forgiven from, from that moment on till eternity or whatever, right? When Jesus lay, raised Lazarus from the dead, it's not like Lazarus was a fucking murderer. He was just like some regular-ass dude that fucking had leprosy or some shit, right? But with fucking this murderer, they thought like... And there's like cartoons of it too, and I'm pretty sure I'll put it like on the uh, the YouTube video that we'll put up or whatever. Like there was like like little demons like waiting in the wings like to come out, you know, once they resurrect the body. That's nuts, man. Yeah, I mean, you have to think about that stuff whenever you're uh, playing God. Like, yeah, gonna bring demons back. Yeah, interdimensional, uh, fucking uh, Skinwalker Ranch, fucking things, dude. That t- Skinwalker Ranch is its own little topic, but yeah, um, 
it's pretty i could see i could see it sounds comical now to hear it yeah but at the same time it's like you don't know you know that even like the thing about like the the whole like homoculus thing like did we just create the next fucking like creature that's gonna wipe us all out like yeah. type of thing like whatever it is like we're creating things in labs all the time people might have an argument saying like oh COVID was created in a lab um like I don't know. I'm not. I wasn't there. So, but uh, but if it was, then this thing has wiped out a lot of people. Yeah. So uh, fast forward a little bit um, to 1939 um, into the Soviet Union. This is where it kind of starts touching at me. Like I'm you know, Soviet. Yeah, I'm part Soviet. Yeah. No, uh, no, I'm kind of Comrade. a. If you're an animal lover, this is like where it's going to start. You know, kind of <laughs> pulling at your heartstrings a little bit. Uh, but there was a man, a surgeon named uh, Sergio Brukhanenko, and I'm probably fucking up that name, and I apologize to all of our Soviet slash Russian listeners out there. Uh, but he actually like uh, created something called the autojector, which is something that is pretty much used like in um, you know uh, surgeries now, and it's a way to like keep somebody alive, you know, while they're doing open heart surgery, while they're doing lung surgery and whatnot or whatever. But um, he create he's pretty much credited as creating this machine that we still use today. Um, there's a video. Speaking of videos on YouTube, I sent this to you, and it it disturbed me greatly. Um, you can find the ten minute version of it, which is very abridged, and it just kind of gets like onto all of the points. But I kind of recommend, quote unquote, recommend watching it. It'll it'll really fuck with your mind for a while. But it is on YouTube, the whole 20-minute version, but it's called The Experiments in the Revival of Organisms. Um, and so basically the video starts off with um, how scientists have been able to figure out, hey, we had a recently deceased dog, but we were able to keep individual organs alive, such as the heart. And then it shows like this heart hooked up to the machine and it's very much you know, beating on its own. And then it shows, hey, we're able to keep these lungs alive, which it's able to, they're able to pump oxygen into it. Like it's breathing or whatever. And he goes, and with this technology, we can introduce blood, you know, from blood donors and whatnot. And the heart, you know, can pump this blood into the lungs, the lungs oxygenate it, oxygenate it. And, you know, it creates a whole circulatory system outside of the body. And, you know, very much the Soviets, and this is, we're talking about a time frame before world war two and all the Nazi experiences or whatever. Um, in a time where, like they're very much experimenting with, um, you know, organ transplants or whatever. Right. So what they did, uh, Mr. Sergio Bronenko in this movie, you get to a certain point in the movie where it, you, I'm sure like everybody's probably seen something like this, like in your science class. But it gets to a point in the movie where it's like we can now probably keep other things alive past dead, past death. And it shows a decapitated like Pomeranian dog's head. And it's just like fucking laying there on the table. And I'm like, oh, that's fucked up. It's a cute ass dog or whatever. And it shows like this autojector connected to the dog's head and like these pumps or whatever and whatnot. And he goes, this dog has been dead and decapitated for about 10 minutes now. Uh, but we're able to um, breathe new life into it with the autojector. And so it shows like, you know, they stick like a thing like in the arterial, you know, vein or whatever. And then like the ventricle vein or whatever that, you know, carries the blood out. And you see, like, once they start reintroducing, like, the blood through the system, that the dog's head kind of, like, reanimates a little bit. And so they start doing, like, experiments on it. Like, it's still very much able to hear. And it shows him, like, banging a hammer and, like, the dog's ears twitch a little bit. And then it shows, like, he's still able to hear or uh, see. And it shows him, like, you know, putting, like, light into its eyes and whatnot. And you see, like, the dog's eyes, like, blink. And it can still taste. And, like, it introduces, like, something to its its mouth or whatever. And it's still, like like licking at it or whatever. And I'm like, that is fucking nuts, dude. This is like a decapitated animal that's been dead for a fucking couple of minutes and they're still able to keep it quote unquote alive and responding to the senses. That's pretty wild stuff, man. Like, um, obviously the, this is where things start to get more Frankenstein-y. Mm-hmm. Obviously the, and I really recommend people going going online and just like looking up the two two headed dog experiment. Um, this was this the nineteen fifties that this was happening. Yeah, fifty four. Fifty four. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, and this is what we know of. Like the Soviets must have been like this is mm-hmm. this is the stuff that we know happened. They must have been onto like crazier and crazier things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the images are really weird. Like the images of the dog actually reacting, like the two dogs 
and the whole like formula that they had to come up with because it had to be the right amount of blood going into the brain because a lot of times the the uh, dog would get blood clots yeah and died really quickly um which um which makes sense but yeah it's it's pretty terrible stuff that they had to sacrifice so many dogs to like to do this mm-hmm. to do this experiment somebody said they estimated maybe about 2000 dogs that they went through Damn. just to do through it they were beautiful looking dogs too yeah and it wasn't like they were doing it like on fucking uh fucking lady in the tramp looking motherfuckers like they had like german shepherds like those fucking like i said thousand dollar looking like pomeranians or whatever yeah. i mean all dogs deserve a good life all dogs go to heaven or whatever but not but like like you said it wasn't no fucking run of the mill fucking mutt that they found behind do you the think laboratory that's why they did it they're like, oh, we're gonna bring them back. We bring it. We have to do an animal that's gonna go to heaven and not hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, oh, the dogs go to heaven. So like, let's do dogs. This is how we'll defeat Hitler, guys. We're gonna send Charlie back to heaven. <laughs> He's gonna we're, come we're, back. We're, we're gonna. We're gonna. Oh wait, what was these? The Soviets? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And then what you were talking about with the two-headed dog thing? It was a surgeon named Vladimir Dem- Demogov. Demihova. Demihova. Yeah, we're probably <laughs> fucking butchering that name or whatever. But yeah, he was actually able to successfully fuse together 24, actually 48 dogs. He made 24 two-headed dogs uh, successfully. And some lived, uh, you know, a matter of a couple of days. Uh, but he was able to make towards the end of his experiments because obviously the scientific community, you know, came down pretty hard on him. And the Cold War started to ramp up in World War II and whatnot. And, um, or the end of, this is in 54, so it's past the, you know, World War II. But, you know, the Cold War started to ramp up. You know, they got to send chimps up into space and whatnot right at this point. Uh, but he got them living to about um, almost a month. And yeah. that's crazy because you'll see, like, this German shepherd, right? Like, this, like, beautiful German shepherd. And all of a sudden, they would plop, like, a corgi head, like, on top of it. And it's, like, they're very much, like, they'll put, like, a bowl of, like, food next to both of them. And they're both, like, licking up yeah. fucking water and you know fucking pedigree dog food and shit and one um video they were asking the question and they're like well if the one dog the, the little corgi dog that's on top or whatever if he's licking up you know water and food or whatever and he's just connected to the german shepherd through the spinal cord where does that water and food go and i guess the scientist was like oh yeah we had like an exit tube that we weren't showing and it would just like fall on the floor oh man that's sad and disgusting because at that point, I mean, I assume he died of a couple of things, infection, blood clots, yeah, starvation. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's getting nutrients. Yeah. Um, that's pretty sad. It, it's, it's animal cruelty. As it finest. is animal cruelty. But, um, but this doctor, though, um, he had nine firsts because of these experiments. It, it's fucked up that all these things hap- had to happen, but from these experiments... Uh, he had nine firsts in, you know, the surgical community. The first heart, lung, liver, and head transplants because of this and that he was able to accomplish. Well, shout out to the to the fucking Russians, man. Yeah. They're on top of their game when it comes to science. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I mean, their morals might be a little bit suspect, but fuck. They are. I mean, like, this is some pretty groundbreaking shit. Like, the videos, I really recommend people. I can't. I feel like this topic without images is like you won't you won't fully like grasp it until you actually see the the images of like these these two dogs like sewn together mm-hmm. and like one of them like literally has his paws over the other one and it's like yeah dude that's super sad but kind of cool like in, yeah. a, in a weird way like this if is they like can only make it last forever yeah like if this is a movie this would be like a great movie <laughs> like and, Milo and, and Otis and that do- the doctor what was his name um. Vladimir Demokhov or whatever. Demokhov. Um, he looks like, doesn't he look like a fucking like, he just looks like the most like shady scientist. Like he looks like, he's got this mad scientist haircut. Yeah. He looks like he smokes like 30 packs of cigarettes, cigars, and, yeah. and like takes a shot of vodka before. And he says something like, wish, hope we don't send us all to hell before he like hits the button every time or something. Yeah. Like he's just kind of winging it at times. Yeah. I guess the glove on or whatever. Yeah. He looks like the stereotypical mad scientist, but they all do though. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool, but at the same time it's like, Oh my God, why? This is like torture. Honestly, today's going to make me want to go fucking vegan with the full fucking homoculus and these dogs like go vegan guys. And what do you think your chicken nuggets are made out of? 
chicken? What do you mean? <laughs> Your homunculus thing? No, never oh, mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. Anyways, um, the Americans weren't so fucking... Um, they don't. It's not like they don't have any bloods on their hand, blood on their hands as well. Uh, it's a tale of two Roberts here. Um, Robert E. Cornish in 1932. Um, kind of, like you said, an evil genius. When you look at his pictures... It looks like as he looks like Doctor Frankenstein from Mary Shelley's fucking mm-hmm. movie or whatnot, right? So um, he's a fucking genius as shit. Because at eighteen he graduates from Berkeley with honors, uh, then he gets his doctorate degree at age twenty-two. Um, at age twenty-two, I think I was still in junior college, <laughs> like trying to get like my fucking AA and shit. This motherfucker was already a doctor at that time period. But um, he created a potion made out of adrenaline and um, anticoagulants. Um, and this like teeter totter machine, and his whole thing is is he wanted to bring victims back to life who suffered like from heart attacks and electrocution. So obviously they're not bringing back people that you know have died of cancer, died of AIDS, died of you know dysentery, like things that like you know your organs you know failed you or whatever, right? They did very much like you know these sudden death type of things. Like yeah, maybe heart attack, like you know you got some clogging going on there, but whatever. But they think that hey. A lot like, you know, the fucking Giovanni Aldini dude. Like, hey, like, they've gone to the other side. We think we can bring them back. So Robert E. Cornish, this is genius, thinks he's discovered this potion, you know, with the adrenaline and anticoagulants. And from 1934 to 1935, uh, he started perfecting this method with his, you know, elixir and his little teeter-totter machine um, on dogs. So he did it on five different dogs, Lazarus 1 through 5. Now the first three dogs didn't didn't come back to life, but Lazarus four and five, he was actually able to bring them back to life from clinical death. And going back to that, you know, that YouTube video that I was talking about with, um, you know, the experiments and revival of organisms, they actually conducted a cons- uh, an experiment too, like where they drained the blood out of all of this this dog and kept him dead for ten minutes. And then reintroduce blood into a circulatory system with like that autojector machine, and the dog comes back to life. You slowly see, you know, on the machines, like you know, the dog's heart starts beating again. And then you see like the dog like grasp for air, kind of like Jon Snow, like when he comes back to life in Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert: this fucking show's been out for like fucking ten years or whatever. Um, but yeah, like you actually see that, and it's documented like on video. And then they say, and then. And I understand, like, it could all be faked or whatever. It can be, like, the Russian version, Moscow's version of Hollywood or whatever, right? But they say, like, hey, after about 10 days, he makes a full recovery and the dog lives an extra 10 years or whatever. Um, but Robert E. Cornish's dogs, uh, Lazarus 4 and 5, one, when he came back to life, um, he was blind and kind of had, like, you know, brain damage. So he wasn't quite all there. And then Lazarus 5 was just kind of, like, really off. Um mentally or whatever obviously the dogs have um, brain damage but they said like when he would take them out for walks and whatnot all of like the neighborhood dogs and cats or whatever like they would freak out kind of like like when you watch like hocus pocus or whatever like animals like have like that reaction like to like the undead or whatever yeah like they were having it to lazarus four and five i think i'm pretty sure down the line i'm, I'm gonna have another dog I'm going to name him Lazarus. That's such a cool name for a dog. Yeah. That's a great name for a dog. Yeah. But it's also that guy from the Bible that Jesus brought back to life. Yeah, but it's more of a dog name. (laughs) That's clearly a dog name. You know, Jesus is thinking like 3D chess. Like, he's like, yeah, we'll name this, and then this will happen, and then down the line people will start naming their dogs Lazarus. (laughs) Like, I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, I see you, Jesus. Jesus was an animal lover. Um but uh, the story doesn't end there with uh, Robert E. Cornish. Uh, there was actually a San Quentin inmate, a Mr. Thomas McGonaghy, uh, who offered his body uh, to Robert E. Cornish uh, because he was on death row for murdering a bunch of motherfuckers. These murderers, they always want to come back to life, right? They want to take a life, but they never want to give their life, right? So he get, offers his body to Robert E. Cornish saying like, hey, you know, once they, you know, hang me, I offer my body to to you specifically for science. That's my last will and right. And the state said, no, fuck that. You are not doing this. You are actually re... Because that's how he would um, kill 
the dogs is he would strangle them to death. Oh, like wow. that was the fucked up part of it. It was not like he was just draining out all the blood, you know, very scientifically, you know, like the Soviets. The Soviets actually gave the fucking dogs that they drained <laughs> the blood with, they actually gave them like, you know, painkillers or whatnot. So yeah. the dog didn't feel anything. He just kind of like slipped out of consciousness or whatever and then came back to life like Jon Snow. No, fucking Robert E. Cornish was sitting there like fucking choking the shit out <laughs> of a fucking corgi and then fucking um, he would bring him back to life with his fucking Kool-Aid or whatever, right? Um, and the state said, no, fuck that. We know what you're doing with these fucking Lazarus fucking zombie dogs or whatever. We're not having that shit. And we're doing it on legal ground that we're going to override you on here. So Gavin Newsom, the Gavin Newsom of like the 1950s was like, no, nah, fuck that. Because if you bring this murderer back to life, we're going to have to set him free, set him free because the rules of double jeopardy. We can't try you twice for the same crime. That's true. That is true. You can't. Except, here's the thing. Um, he did it on two separate days. Mm-hmm. So those are two separate crimes. <laughs> that's the thing that I don't think people get about double jeopardy. It's, it's like if it happened on two separate days, that's already two separate events. Wait, the murder? Yeah. Did, what, what do you mean? Like, What, the inmate? Thomas McGinnigy or whatever? Yeah. How was it double jeopardy? Yeah, for the same crime. Like if he... If he okay, if the sentence was you put him to death or whatever. Oh, and he comes back to life. And he comes back to life. We can't. That means we have to. We we can't just fucking you know murder him again or whatever. Like that's fucking cruel and unusual punishment. That means we would have to put him on trial again. That's a pretty interesting thing. Sorry, I just thought of something. So has that ever happened? I don't, probably a whole different topic. But has that ever happened where somebody gets like put in an electric chair and then he's like, I'm still alive. Probably Suge Knight. That's probably going to happen to him. When they oh, dude, no. The diabetes is going to kill him before he <laughs> makes it to the electric chair. Yeah, you're probably right on that. <laughs> no, I don't know. That would be interesting to look up, though. Yeah, that is interesting. That, like if Ted Bundy survived. Like, I, I think that's why they do lethal injection now, because there's like, there's no way you're coming back from you're this. You're not coming back from this one, dude. We yeah. put fucking homoculus jizz in there. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to come back from this. We put one. chicken nuggets in your fucking. <laughs> those chicken nuggets, you don't want to know where those came from, dude. <laughs> These are the chicken nuggets that killed Ted Bundy. <laughs> no, that would be interesting to fucking notice because there is people like. You remember that movie, um, Sin City, where like the dude keeps getting fried, yeah, over and over, and he's like, "Oh, you gonna, you you just gave me a tingle or whatever." Like that's whole the that whole thing. Like I wonder if that's ever, ever happened in real life, where like some dude just comes back and he's just like, "Well, there's yeah. people like on PCP and shit, like they fucking taser him and they fucking it doesn't do anything to him and shit." Yeah, but but tasering is not supposed to kill people. It's supposed to like stun them. Yeah, I'm talking about like if this is meant to like, because at that point it's like if you were sentenced to death. And then you got the electric chair, and then you survive the electric chair. What happens then? Like, I, I, I'm no lawyer. I don't know what happens. Right, you got like, call legit- PG&E. You got to call PG&E. I guess I don't yeah. know. Fucking hey, dude, you got to give us more watts. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey dude, like um, my my little kakawate, <laughs> dude. You get, they're trying to kick my kakawate. Can you turn on the lights? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, but that's where uh, Cornish's story ends. In um. So he kind of gives up his uh, his practice on that, and he just starts making homemade toothpaste at that point. So wow. I don't know if you want to brush your teeth with that motherfucker's toothpaste. Did he really? Yeah, you look oh, that wow. shit up. He has, a, and it wasn't even like you know like Crest, like like a pleasant like mint. It was like a fucking powder that like you kill fucking cockroaches with. Uh, at that shit. point, like didn't like toothpaste have cocaine in it and shit? Like I assume it's like. With with one hundred percent more cocaine, <laughs> <laughs> like everything was like cocaine, like soda, <laughs> toothpaste. Oh, this is the best cocaine. This is like, the best cocaine toothpaste this, I ever had. This is the cigars that ninety nine percent of doctors recommend for your kids. <laughs> it's like big old cigars giving them to kids. It's science, everybody. Yeah, it's like, oof. Yeah. So, uh, from this, you get another Robert Robert J White, uh, who was a neurosurgeon. And actually, consultant to the Brukanenko, that guy we were talking about on yeah. that documentary. The the so he was actually like uh, like a student basically uh, from that gentleman that had that lab in Moscow that was bringing dogs back to life and isolating hearts and whatnot. So he was very much from that school. Uh, he was a very successful surgeon. He did over ten thousand surgeries, life saving surgeries, um, um, throughout you know his lifetime. Uh, but in nineteen seventy, he started doing an experiment on monkeys where basically he would do a, he was his big, his big uh, ace in the hole that he was trying to do was do a successful head transplant. 
And so he started doing this on monkeys. And most of the time, you know, they would decapitate, you know, the monkey and, you know, they would just die. They weren't able to get very far with it. But he was able to figure out a way, you know, to keep the head alive for a certain amount of period, keep it oxygenated, kind of like that video that we were talking about. And then in enough time, you know, reattach it to a whole different body, a whole different, you know, you know, system, you know, with a working heart and liver and all that shit or whatever. So in 1970, he was actually able to do that to a monkey. And it's the most fucked. And there's a video of this on YouTube as well. And it's like one of the most fucked up things ever because you see them, you know, you know, doing their little poop, 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 poop. And, you know, putting, you know, the arteries back together and whatnot. Um, and you slowly see the monkey like come back to, right? You see him like open up the eye or whatnot. And he immediately starts freaking out. And he's freaking out because now he's just the head. Because his body, like he, he's paralyzed basically. Because you have to sever the spinal cord, you know, for in order to remove it or whatnot. And he's freaking out. He's, you can tell he's like looking down, like trying to figure out like, why aren't my legs moving? Why aren't my tail moving? Like, why is my dick moving? Kind of thing. Yeah. Or whatever, right. And he's freaking out. All the meanwhile, like the doctors are like, excellent. And like they're trying to like do that whole test, like in that video, the, you know, the Soviet video, like testing his eyesight. Like, yes, he can see he's reacting to, you know, the flashlight. They're, he's, they're shoving fucking Vaseline in his mouth or whatever. And you can taste all this shit. He can hear. And at one point, he actually bites like one of the nurse's like um, hands. And you can tell this monkey's like freaking out. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm like, oh my God, like, Say what you will, like, about evolution and whatnot, but, like, this is, like, the closest thing to, like, a human. Like, yeah, that's sad as shit, like, with the dogs or whatever, but dog, they have a different, in my opinion, they have a different soul. They have, like, that unconditional love kind of thing going on. But, like, a monkey, like, that's the closest to, like, a human you're going to get, like, with emotions and shit. And I was, like, looking at it, and you could tell, like, it's a young monkey or whatever, and you're like, holy fuck, this is, like, the most brutal fucking unethical thing, like, I have fucking ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Your no, apathy I mean, amazing. No, me. I mean, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, humans are pretty cruel to humans too and animals in general, but um yeah, I mean, that's it's pretty fucked up. Like it, it, okay, so this the whole like removing a head, putting it into another monkey, like that's that's the other thing that once once I started going down this path, I was pretty shocked that that was even like a thing that they were doing mm. um the reconnecting the, the spinal cords and all these things that they were doing like it was it was pretty trippy i can't even imagine like I, as you were saying that i was trying to envision like what what that experience would even be like to be i, I would assume that it's probably partially like sleep paralysis or whatever where you don't have any movement over your body or like you know like uh, phantom phantom limb syndrome where like you you kind of you're you feel it but but it's not there kind of thing yeah um i don't know that that to me is like one of the most freaky things that we we did that to an animal like the humans did that to an animal and mm-hmm. like um it is it is pretty scary um because as as we've you know there's more experiments yet to come but I can't help but to think like there's no way that we when was this? This was like in the nineteen seventies. Seventies, like yeah, I can't imagine that in the nineteen seventies we just stopped. We we're like, all right, we're not gonna ever progress to like humans. We're still trying to do it. Like that's the goal. The end goal is to get a human to to do a full human transplant because one of his last uh, things that Robert White wanted to do was actually like reattach stephen hawking's uh head to somebody else's body like a working body as well as christopher reeves the original superman you know fucking went paralyzed or whatever reattached their heads to like you know a healthy fucking like arnold schwarzenegger body or a christian or a a tom hardy body body if you will kind of thing and it was just like that was like his end goal but the one hurdle that they had was is like once you sever the spine like you're you're just paralyzed. Yeah, like your organs and shit, they work. Like you're able to get your lungs and your heart and whatnot and whatever's down there, whatever, like your liver and spleen and all that shit. That's still working, but like, you know, your nervous system is, is dead from that from that point on, from yeah. your neck down or whatever. And it's just like that one hurdle. And the fucked up thing is, and I was looking it up, I was like, Well, how much how much time since like the nineteen seventies have we been able to like figure out the solution to that problem? And I guess like within the like last couple of years there's scientists in China who say they've been able to successfully regrow the spinal tissue that has been severed like in rats. So 
it's on its way. It's coming. You're going to have fucking people with like, you know, fucking head transplant surgeries, well, you, Kardashians of the future and shit. Well, you've seen that, that mouse that has like a human ear growing on its back. Oh yeah. Where they're using like tissue just to grow it on like, uh, like living organisms. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was, I, I saw that picture like 20 years ago. So like, you're telling me like crazier things haven't happened in the last 20 years. Like, of course, like, mm-hmm. That picture was, I think it was like an elementary school when I saw that. So maybe even more, maybe like 25 years ago that that happened. Um, but yeah, that, dude, it's so fucking nuts. Like, I can't even like imagine the things that we've we've accomplished and like, yeah, we don't know about it just yet. Um, like stem cell research and all, I know that was a pretty controversial thing that was happening a few years back. Mm-hmm. But um, like, I can't imagine everything that you said right now that the, that they've already reattached some um like the spinal cords being reattached like you would have to have probably stem cell research or stem cells to, to do that because that, those yeah. are the ones that are like you know growing um so it's kind of cool like you know people that go get in accidents and are paralyzed and like you know lose function of their legs or arms if they're like quadriplegics um like that's a cool thing that science can come up with if they can regrow their their limbs. That, that's I mean it's progress. I know that you know cutting a monkey's head off you know seems fucked up. It is fucked up and it is cruel. Um, and I don't want to say but it's necessary because really we're, it's us playing God and it's putting us on as but but it is interesting. Like it can help not just humans but also animals down the line as well. The greater good kind of thing. Uh, I mean. Look at what I was talking about, with like with the Soviets and stuff. So much things like heart, like heart transplants, liver transplants, you know, lung transplants. All sorts of like good has come out of that. It's almost like a necessary evil in a way. Like, yeah, it's fucked up. Like you see these dogs and whatnot, and you're like, oh my god, I think of my own dogs or whatever, right? It's like I could, I could have never imagined in a million years doing that. But sometimes you need motherfuckers who are willing to do that. Cold-hearted motherfuckers who are willing to do that. In order for life to find a way. Life finds a way. That's uh, from Jurassic Park. It is. Shout out to Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's trippy. This whole concept is is a is a very trippy concept. It it kinda makes you question like where does life end, when does life begin? And like um also like do we even have the right to play God? Mm-hmm. Um it, it's 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 a really interesting conversation, like and it goes back to the whole Frankenstein movie. Like that was one of the things like he shouts and I'll probably put that as like the sample, like at the beginning or the end of this episode, it was just like, I am God or whatever. And like, there's so many movies that have taken that concept, like ex Mahina and, and things like that. Like, where it's just like, Oh, I'm able to create life or whatever. And even like artificial intelligence, like it doesn't have to be a fucking organic manner, like artificial intelligence, like where we're basically creating a whole new we're heading down that road, a whole new sentient thing, whatever. It's not necessarily an organic material, but it's inorganic, but it's still able to have a consciousness and whatnot. It's wild. It's nuts. It's scary. It's everything that fucking horror is made out of. You know, one of the things, yes, I get it. But at the same time, like we, we are, are a lot of times we are our own like nightmare fuel. Mm-hmm. Like it's all things that we've created over the years. You know, as you said that one of the things that comes to mind is like, as humans, we always hate the new thing that's different. Like, whatever it is, you know, like, well, mm-hmm. we didn't really hang out with black people, and now black people scare me kind of thing. Like, yeah. Oh, Mexicans scare me. Italians scare me. Like, whatever it is, like, whatever the new thing is, like, it scares people. And I think that one day we'll come down the line, maybe we'll still be alive, maybe we won't, where we will come to that point where where artificial intelligence might be, like, you know on the same playing field as, as a human. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would probably be, it's like the new argument of like, do these like artificial intelligence deserve the right to boat? Like it sounds, <laughs> it sounds insane saying it right now, but like we're, I think we are going to get to the point where we might start seeing things like that. Like maybe in our lifetime, people like 200 years from now, they're going to look back at like great, great grandpa Trejo and, great 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 grandpa pixton or whatever and think like you can you believe they used to have a google or a siri that they enslaved in their phones or whatever it's gonna be like how we look back at like fucking people like in the 1700s who kept like 
cotton fields, you know, slavery. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not I, saying, I don't know I'm about not, that. I'm not me saying and Jacob do not share the same. Opinion. I'm not saying it, might, but it, like you know, like to go down that path though, like of artificial intelligence. So like, yeah, like you yeah. said, like, do they have the right to vote? Kind of thing. It's just like that's wild to think about. Like when you think about it, like a, a like, hey Google, like what's the weather, or whatever, and. A, if we go down that path of artificial intelligence being its own sentient being or whatever, and that's a form of slavery in a way, right? Um, yeah, but, but okay, so, yeah, I get what you're saying, but, like, artificial intelligence in the, in the, in the way that, um, that, to me, is just um, intelligence. Like, that's the difference. Like, like, knowing how to like pull up what the weather's going to be like that's just that's just the machine being intelligent like that's no i get just you because I I, just, you, just because i can do uh <laughs> just because i could type in boobs on my calculator doesn't mean like <laughs> this thing's pretty smart but um <laughs> but like but yeah if you talk to someone and and like and you understand like they they come up with points and emotions and like all of a sudden like you you understand like hey this person is like a thing like this this is not this is this is a very real person i'm talking to yeah and like like if if i i i guess like down the line i could see i could see this in my lifetime i could probably see this in the next 30 years where like somebody will fall in love with like a machine and be like i want to marry this machine because like this thing has probably already happened in florida did it really probably um Really, or like as a joke, because that's pretty interesting stuff. No, I'm like serious about that. Yeah, like I could see how somebody could like eventually like if if an intelligence is is that smart, and I could see how like a human could like fall in love with something or like that sort of thing, and like and not just like oh I love this car, and like there's people that like fuck their cars and like love their cars, and like there's like a lady that like married. A chunk of the Berlin Wall because she was like in love with the Berlin Wall or something like that stuff is out there. That but but that's not what I'm. That's no, not, yeah, like something that she interacts with. Or yeah, whatever, like or that's he. not what I mean. I'm talking about like an actual thing that can have a conversation with you. That can have a like like vision. Actual, and Wanda. Yeah, and exactly <laughs> like that. Yeah. Like that's exactly what I mean. And Obviously, a that's mirror, a pretty extreme. Isn't there a dark mirror episode like that too? I don't know, but I'm sure there is. It's or been a while we? since I've. I try not to think about that show because that show makes me like trip out sometimes. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I could see how that is like down the line, like down down the road. I could see something like that happening, mm-hmm. and and that is like the 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 new version of like the Frankenstein monster, basically. Yeah. Of of we've created this life, and like now, what do we do with it? And like we don't play, we don't play God very well. We don't even play, we don't even play father very well sometimes, and to play God is like a whole different like element of like, of a, of a creature. So it's like, it, it it's scary to me that I I could see these things down the line like bringing people back to life, and like what we what we do and like what we do with that power is is weird because you know it's gonna get weaponized like it's gonna get everything gets weaponized mm-hmm. like the minute you can fucking and it, and do they have a soul at that point or whatever right like when yeah. you go back to like that um aldini experiment or whatever i'm not saying that he was alive now now knowing that we know about science or whatever like you're just reintroducing you know outside electricity to you know the nervous system and that's why he was having those reactions or whatever right but it goes down that if you want to go down that road where it's just like what if he was coming back to life but this time without a soul kind of thing like what would that look like you know people coming back to life without a soul and that was kind of like the whole like frank to to make this go 360 or whatever come back around full circle with mary shelley's frankenstein he very much it's this monster or whatever it's this soulless monster it doesn't have any it's basically an infant right like it doesn't know anything it's it's a blank slate or whatever but the father rejects it. Dr. Frankenstein, he rejects it. He sends him in the wilderness and, you know, he starts learning, you know, how to eat. Basically, he, he is a vegan or whatever, right? It, it's a thing that doesn't, would not hurt another living thing. Like it refuses to eat meat or whatever, you know, just lives off the land eating fruits and berries and whatnot. Um, all of a sudden, you know, starts getting aware of his surroundings, becomes very literate, starts reading, you know, becomes this very advanced thing. And just wants like that human interaction, and then I guess goes finds a village, kind of spies on this family or whatever, and longs for like that family structure, that you know friendship structure, like all the, these things or whatever. And then when it's time to like introduce himself to to these people, the people reject him because it looks different from him, even though like at this point in the monster's life, 
he's smarter than them and like has a better understanding of the world around him than these people, but he's, he's the monster or whatever. Right. Long story short, you know, he becomes, it's like what in that movie, Batman and then the bat dark Knight movie where he says you either die, you know, the hero or live long enough to see, see yourself become the villain. Well, you know, Dr. Frankenstein and the monster become the villain at the end of the story or whatever. And it's crazy. Like just how deep, like that fucking, that story, like of this fucking, fucking piece together thing or whatever like how deep it is and how many how rich and everything we were just talking about like it, it organically is in that story it's just it's an amazing story like i highly recommend like wa- watching the movie and then reading the book i'm gonna have to check it out at least the movie i've never seen the movie as i stated before but i have the robert de niro version of it which is like really close to like the mary sherry mary shelley novel um, it's kind of boring because it follows it too closely. That's, there's a reason why Hollywood sexed it up a little bit. But the movie's really excellent too, um, and the book's good as well. But I, I consider them two different stories, if you will. But they're both amazing. I'll check it out. and I, I really will. That sounds really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So with that said, Art, got anything else, bro? <laughs> Man, just go vegan, guys. Like, <laughs> this episode is disgusting. <laughs> um. That's it. Tay Mommy Boo with two. Shout out Elizabeth Jackman. Shout out Elizabeth Warren. Um, shout out Podbelly. Shout out Ectoplasm's back, baby. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so with that said, guys, if you want to get at us, have a conversation about this episode, I'm pretty sure Jesus Gutierrez, not Jesus Fuentes, but Jesus Gutierrez, I'm pretty sure once you catch up to all the episodes and listen to this one, you'll probably have a couple things to say on that. So get at us at Art and Jacob do America, preferably on who, Instagram. Who is that guy? Is that guy, his like profile pictures, like him wearing a blue flannel? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. okay. I, he like added me on something and I was like, who are you? I, I don't think I, I don't know him though. Right. Yeah. No, he's, um, he listens to the show now. Oh, so okay. He's a fan. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm sure if you want to get at us and have a conversation about that, get us on preferably the Instagram. We also do have a Twitter that's at Art and Jacob do a one. Fuck you, Jordan. I'm not fucking changing it. Uh, if you want to support this show, uh, there's two different ways. You can go to the Patreon, which I highly recommend. $1 a month will get you four bonus episodes every single week. This week is no exception when I say nine times out of ten. Those episodes are better than the actual episodes you're hearing for free. Uh, this week, you know, we mentioned in, in passing a couple of jokes that you will only find on that Patreon we get into some uh, Halloween season type of topics there, but go there, donate $1, donate $5, donate $10, whatever you want to donate. And you'll get a bonus episode as well. Some free goodies in the mail as I get them in. I'll ship those things out to you. Uh, as well as you want to support us, go to tpublic.com. Uh, we have four different uh, designs up there. And like I always say, it's not so much for us uh, to profiteer off of it. I believe we only get like maybe like 25 cents off a shirt or, you know, 250 off of sweatshirt or whatever. But it, you're like a walking billboard spreading the good word of our Jacob Do America podcast when you buy something there and wear it out in the public to the Kern County Fair or wear it out to the boonies, the boon sticks or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go there if you want to support us. Um, if you want to support other great podcasts, guys, I highly recommend going to the Podbelly Network. Art mentioned it, Equitoplasm. They're a great podcast. Go ahead and check them out, as well as the Great and Powerful Sofa King podcast. And my homeboy Eddie from the RRBG podcast, dude. You know what? I saw my shirt the other day. The uh, we're not sure yet mm-hmm. shirt, and they like bum me out. Oh yeah. So rest in peace to the we're not sure yet podcast. They're still on the Podbelly Network. You can go back and check out older episodes of that. But rest in peace to that podcast. No longer doing it. But with that said, Art, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I might get some Taco Bell and pass out. Do it. That sounds great. Yeah, but I'm not getting no goddamn chicken nuggets. Don't. Don't do that. (laughs) So with that said, everybody, goodbye and good night. The revival of individual organs enabled scientists to proceed to experiment on reviving the whole organism. The revival of the whole organism can be achieved with the help of an apparatus called the autojector. The autojector carries out the functions of the heart and lungs. We begin the experiment of revival. The experiment is carried out on a dog. A substance which prevents clotting is introduced into the animal's blood. The dog is under an anesthetic. It doesn't feel pain. 
No interruption of the animal's normal functions has yet occurred. The dog reacts to touch. Its pupils are normal. A special apparatus, the chymograph, registers the breathing and the function of the dog's heart. The pulse and breathing are normal. The experiment begins. All the blood is drained off through the carotid artery. This is one of the animal's last gasps. This is a final breath. The dog is dead. Without operative interference, death would be final, as the disintegration of the body cells would gradually set in. The autoejector is being attached before starting the revival. The arterial pump is connected with the artery. The venous pump is connected with the vein. Ten minutes have elapsed since the animal died. The blood removed from the animal is pumped back into its vessels by the autoejector. The artificial blood circulation gradually induces the heart to start beating again. The heart's action begins to be normal. The first sign. Respiration is gradually restored. We can now disconnect the autoejector and leave the organism of the dog to maintain life with its own resources. is still weak and can't move. After 10 to 12 days, the dog returns to its normal state. Like my nigga DOC, no one can do it better like this, that, and this, and uh, it's like that, and like this, and like that, and uh, it's like this. Then who gives a fuck about those? So just chill to the next episode.